we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have another top five episode for you today as we go over the top five SNL alum performances of all time. Uh, I am your co-host, Mike One, and this is co-host also Mike. Mike, why are we doing this? Live from Connecticut, it's... Thursday night. <laughs> Even though it'll be taped and then edited. Mike, uh, it's beautiful weather outside. Mike, Mike and weather. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there's no bears. I haven't seen any bears. Uh, have you seen any bears? <laughs> no, I saw, what did I see the other day? I saw a rabbit. There was a rabbit that's been poking around. <laughs> Almost I a bear. I saw something that was a weird, uh, weird animal for this that I don't think I've seen before, but I cannot for the life of it remember me. So it was probably like a Sasquatch or something. <laughs> probably a Sasquatch. Let's just say it was a Sasquatch. Right. This is probably the yeah. same validity of all the other <laughs> claims. But no, I mean, we had a, a front-loaded week and a, and a big weekend where we reviewed The Five Bloods and The King of Staten Island. We had that major Oscar race checkpoint where we broke some breaking news and commented and speculated and analyzed everything about the Oscars moving. Yeah, the BAFTAs and Indy Spirits followed suit, but that's not enough for an episode today. We wanted to do something funner, and, you know, we got this great Pete Davidson movie where he's a Saturday Night Live alumni, alumnus, and uh, put on a great performance. So let's do this top five. It's going to be fun. Pete Davidson, we did review the King of Scotland. Scatton, good lord. We did review the King of Staten Island. We gave that the full Oscar Sprint Profile breakdown. One of the more uplifting notes of what's been uh, available to us in this quarantine as far as new movies go. We were both uh, pretty high on that. And also we have the much ballyhooed and talked about trailer for Palm Springs that mm-hmm. we have previewed a bunch of times. Uh, that coming from Andy Samberg, Neon, and Hulu went in on a joint venture and threw a lot of money at this movie uh, at Sundance to claim the rights to it. It's going to be coming out July 10th, but we finally did get our first trailer of it. So we'll start with reviewing that trailer before going into our top five SNL alum performances of all time. And in the spirit of that, because Andy Samberg is in this, let's talk about what we saw in in the Palm Springs trailer. The IMDb synopsis for this movie says when carefree Niles, which is Andy Samberg's character, and reluctant maid of honor Sarah, who is Christina Milioti, who is best known, of course, from How I Met Your Mother, mm-hmm. they have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding. Things get complicated and they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. That is one of the more misleading synopsis yeah. I think <laughs> I've ever read compared to what this trailer is, Michael. So I loved Andy Samberg's delivery of yeah, it's one of these infinite time loop situations, <laughs> like in the pool. So it's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day reliving a wedding experience where neither of them has a plus one. There's an obvious romantic comedy kind of thing. But you got this sci-fi Groundhog Day Russian doll premise, and I'm kind of in for this. I, I loved I loved how the trailer just kind of checked off all the boxes of, you know, these science fiction nerds that would try to argue this movie away. Like, they, <laughs> they get all that shit out of the way, and now we could just be ready for a good story. Yeah, it's Groundhog's Day, except two people are in on it. Mm-hmm. Like, Bill Murray doesn't have to keep wooing Andy McDowell. It's, it's Bill Murray and Andy McDowell both realize they're going through the same day over and over again. And knowing that synopsis and previewing it like we have and seeing that time loop trope be introduced to this trailer was one of the like weirdest left-hand turns I think I've ever experienced in a movie trailer because I really didn't think this was going to be anything more than like a cutesy rom-com type coming of age type akin to the king of Staten Island almost that we kind of talked about uh this is 
not that at all. Hopefully. It goes very hardcore into the time travel or time loop thing. Well, I just don't want it to build to a thematic crescendo where they're like, love is powerful enough to stop the <laughs> infinite time loop. I don't yeah. think it's going there just because of the tone of the whole trailer. So I'm not going to be happy if that's how it ends. But I, I agree. I don't want to hate it at the same time, you know, and be predisposed to uh, just wor- being worried about, uh, you know, rom-com cliches happening in this movie because it doesn't seem like that it does seem like it's making some funny jokes it's doing the obligatory groundhog day scenes you know we've all seen groundhog day on netflix recently watched a few minutes of it i I couldn't help myself uh after this trailer i started watching it this morning because i don't really do anything worthwhile in my mornings (laughs) i just kind of have the laptop open i get away with that and i the shit's on tv because you know we're, we're at home we're still quarantined but mike i think I think Christina Milioti's been due for a big performance. You know, she's done a lot of indie stuff lately. And the fact that this movie has an 83 Metascore was a huge hit at Sundance, where Max Barbacow, the director, was nominated for a jury prize. You know, the fact that it sold for just big money to, uh, I don't know if it sold to Neon or it sold to Hulu at that particular juncture but Both somebody bought they went in on a okay. joint a joint uh purchase there i'm surprised <clears throat> since my voice just left me there i'm surprised this type of movie is the record setter from sundance i wouldn't think a comedy and this seems like it's going to be mostly a comedy imdb i think describes it as a comedy as well i'm surprised that that's the movie that's the record setter for sundance purchases well it's a feel-good movie potentially and I think uh, it's a crowd pleaser, potentially again. I mean, they're based on the Sundance buzz. So, you know, I think, you know, it makes some sense that uh, Hulu will pay for that at this stage in the, in the game for them. They're not necessarily looking to crack into the, the Oscars or the or award season. They're buying big time adolescence, you know. They're, mm. they're not... But wouldn't you think if you're going to set the record for Sundance, you're trying to break into the awards season it's going to regardless whether it's hulu or whoever actually buys it wouldn't you think that number would be set by something that they think has oscars buzz i, I mean i hope so for for our podcast in yeah, a way and i hope we get a movie that at the end of the year or at the end of you know a few weeks from now we're like oh my god this movie right. is great and let's just have a great movie in july on on a streaming service during you know a hellscape of our existence <laughs> when I, we're all reliving the same day over and over again in our houses <laughs> so it's the good time it might hit the zeitgeist this is one of those movies with some real potential and i'm i'm impressed by andy sandberg's performance here he's he's got that look of like you know will forte in the last man on earth where he's just doesn't give an F the whole trailer <laughs> and he's just he's like the mentor character for Christina Milioti in a way because he's he's been there done that he's been reliving the day longer than she has I don't understand how that's possible necessarily because they both kind of you know he she got sucked in the same time loop is he destined to relive the same night with J.K. Simmons who by the way is a hilarious antagonist I'm so happy to see him back and being like a goofball J.K. Simmons. We don't have to have the overly serious J.K. Simmons. He might be a police officer type uh, role for him. Well, he can play overly serious in a comedy. I think that's and make it makes it much more funny. Like he does that. That's true too. He does that in the Spider-Man movies, and we're glad to have him back in the you know forthcoming Spider-Man film. 
films as uh, you know Mr. Jameson there. So I think yeah, he's the perfect foil here. He's on all those insurance companies. So I I hope he causes a lot you know insurance company commercials that is. So I hope he causes causes a lot of damage in this movie, which it seems like he's doing. <laughs> Says a meta way, ironic joke. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know what you're going for there. Bum 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 bum. So I, I think we're both excited for this one. Yes, we will be reviewing it. Uh, I, I I share your enthusiasm for a kind of laid back, but also tone some bits of seriousness in Andy Samberg's performance. And with that in mind, I think we can transition, which is a word I will never be able to pronounce correctly on the first time. <laughs> we can transition is what I meant to say into talking about our top five SNL alumni performances of all time. Uh, Michael, you can go first because I'm still not sure what my number five is. <laughs> you keep going back and forth. Well, I, I wanted to kind of mention some honorable uh, performances, some honorable Good. mentions. I need all the time I can get here. Too many babies, so I'll stall for you because Ben <laughs> Stiller. You. Ben Stiller was in the Royal Tenenbaums and uh, Tropic Thunder. I thought he was great in those two movies. Jenny Slate was awesome in a film called Obvious Child yeah. a couple years back. Go seek out that one, folks. Sarah Silverman and Take This Waltz. Oh, my God, was she good in that movie. Adam Sandler. I am shocked that we didn't pick Adam Sandler and more stuff. I won't mention his movies because I'm going to hold. If you veto one of my picks, I'm going to use Adam Sandler to fill in. He's the guy I'm wrestling with at number five right okay. now. I'll be honest with you. All right. Well, you, you're definitely stepping on my my uh, I safety I, net. And I got to be honest. Like I, you wrote your copy first, and I am all over your picks in this one. So there's going to be some repeating, and I'm trying desperately to pick around you as well. Well, I, I appreciate that, but at the same time, you know, great performances are great performances. Right. And I'm usually right about the performances. So <laughs> fire, my, fire. Michael McKeon, I thought, was brilliant, and this is Spinal Tap as the lead. Singer of that band he's such a doofus in that uh, in that movie i loved it christopher guest movie steve martin for some reason he's not on wikipedia as being an snl alumnus like when i looked at that humongous list it makes no sense but obviously he's in the jerk and shop girl and he's been you know it's complicated he's had some great performances. was he actually an snl cast member I don't know. I don't know if he was just, you know, kind of the Alec Baldwin of his day and he wasn't considered. I think he was. I, I think he was. I, I can't remember. I, maybe Billy Crystal was the same thing. But, yeah, maybe they were just a longtime host. But, yeah, the jerk is timeless. But he, he didn't. I, I, I could avoid that controversy altogether because he's not in my top five. And I just listened to that tome of an audiobook. It was like 20 something hours on Saturday night live. And oh, it was, did you? It yeah. was good. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you need 27 hours of it, but, uh, <laughs> I don't remember anything about it. So why am I bringing it up now? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus, I had, you know, a cup of coffee on SNL, and she was great opposite James Gandolfini, who wanted to beat up Harvey Weinstein as of Joe Rogan's last podcast, and they were together in Enough Said. And, yeah, I think a lot of people should uh, should check that one out for sure. Uh, Bill Hader, we're going to talk about Bill Hader here. I don't know if he's going to – well, I'm not going to mention his filmography necessarily. Obviously, if we were including – you know, TV shows in this list. Yeah, he'd probably be number one. Yeah, Julia Louis-Dreyfus for V, Bill Hader for Barry. Obviously, there's a bunch of TV, you know, TV success stories from SNL alums. 
Christopher Guest, I mentioned him earlier. I thought his best performance was as the dog owner in Best in Show, mm-hmm. even though he's great and waiting for Guffman. It's such and, an underrated movie. Yeah, too, all of his that. films so crack me up. Uh, uh, Will Forte. I almost called him Chris Forte for some reason. Was that a sports player at some point? Anyway. It sounds like a hockey player, maybe. Will Forte was pretty darn solid in Nebraska, but solid performances don't make this list for us. But he was solid in Nebraska, an Oscar-nominated film. June Squibb, uh, Bruce Dern, both nominated yes. for their performance performances in that one will ferrell now will ferrell gets my you know honorable mention here for two performances in comedies that are just so funny that i that are they're undeniable stepbrothers and anchorman for me are his best uh in terms of just making me laugh for two hours like crazy it's a little crazy how he keeps coming up with like decade defining comedic performances because you can go back to old school too and he was, you know, all the way back there. He was or Night at the Roxbury for the late 90s. He's in these, the, all these Lauren Michaels, well, I guess Lauren Michaels produced some of them, not all of them maybe, but he, he has these roles that just, he just keeps evolving as a character actor and he just keeps defining the era that he's in. I shouldn't have mentioned him though, because now my expectations for the European Song Contest have gone way up. And and they should be nowhere. <laughs> they should be at rock bottom. But anyways. I can't wait for that. I don't know what it is still. I was thinking about that this morning, if that's an actual movie or not or if he's just actually he made a music video to compete in eurovision the actual contest that wouldn't surprise me either there's a trailer that i haven't watched yet i put it in mmow so all right we'll have to you know get you guys ready for it at the end of next week with our beginning of the week mmow so chris farley makes this honorable mention list for the same reason from tommy boy it's just that funny of a performance yes that we have to mention it i I do mention pete davidson from the king of staten island from big time adolescence i thought he was very good and he is on he was great on the level here with these other performances. You know, Billy Crystal, he's probably my number one from When Harry Met Sally. But uh, Analyze This is probably my favorite performance. So that, uh, you know, that lie is now out of the bag and you don't have to sweat and clench your fists anymore, Michael. <laughs> Analyze This actually might be the last movie my father saw in theaters. Is it really? It might be. Your dad does have a disdain for movies. and this Does podcast, not like them. <laughs> this podcast is a bit of a rebellion from you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just in its baby steps. And then Chevy Chase, kind of for the same reason. I loved his performance in Vacation. And I forget, I think we rewatched that recently. Did we rewatch it together? We did Christmas Vacation did for Christmas one of the holiday vacation. rewatches, yeah. Anyway, I think I rewatched the original Vacation just like leading into that, and oh my God, is he funny in that. And he's got range in the original Vacation, too. So Yeah, he plays the heartfelt. Well, a Vegas Vacation is also one of my all-time favorites. Is it's it? Nick Papa Giorgio from Yuma. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't rewatched that one in forever. But, you know, a lot of these honorable mentions are some just all-timer, great comedic performances. I mean, you can mention Mike Myers and Austin Powers, too. There's some I left off that list. But, I mean, did you use criteria in terms of, you know, weighing comedic performances equal to dramatic performances? Or did you want to see some dramatic chops on each one of your picks? Because you seem to have funnier performances in your five. Yeah, I, I try to... I didn't know what I, which way I wanted to go with this, honestly, because I didn't know if I was going to be, like, all-timers, most memorable. I tried to do them with, like, an Oscars slant mm-hmm. and maybe the movie, the performances that were most worthy of Oscars nominations, maybe the ones that actually got some movie that, that actually received Oscar nominations. So I tried to go that way, but it's just, with this list and this amount of talent you're dealing with, it's hard to not concentrate at least somewhat on the legacy factor of all the these characters that are 
all timers. I don't know. What, what did you do? How did you decipher your top five here? I sold out. You know, I just used my Oscar snootiness to, to pick yeah. more of the dramatic performances, the dramatic turns here. And you know what? All right. Being who we are, I'm, I, I'm not apologizing for it necessarily, but I did want to add the honorable mention list there because, you know, some of our favorite comedies of all time. Right feature SNL alumni and you know we're always talking about comedians and comedy films that are just not respected at the Oscars and I think I'm a bit of a hypocrite for not picking them as much as you did here <laughs> yeah well comedies and uh, they're kind of like horrors right I mean if you don't have a romance or some kind of dramatic chops if comedy isn't secondary if comedy is the first genre that you think of when your movies it's kind of shunned by the academy at least historically Historically. And I don't think that's fair. I mean, at some point you have to realize that some of the most famous characters throughout pop culture are from hardcore comedies and a lot of them are portrayed by SNL alums. Well, Judd Apatow just mentioned it, you know, during the uh, promotional Zoom videos that he's been doing for the King of Staten Island. He's like, you know, look, comedy, you know, Oscar best picture winners like Million Dollar Baby, for example, everybody will see that one once. Exactly. You're watching Tommy Boy and you're watching your favorite comedy 20 times. And these movies get watched over and over again. That's one of the biggest arguments I have, actually, for my number two is is an argument very similar to that. So uh, we can dive into it, Mike. I'm pretty excited about this. This one was a lot of fun to come up with and think about. I think you have a bit of a surprise for number five. Uh, So go ahead. Unveil your uh, number five ranking here. It's Joan Cusack in Working Girl. Joan Cusack, she is one of my favorite character actors of all time. She was nominated for an Oscar in In and Out, and I don't remember that movie well enough. I, ha- I probably would have had to rewatch it to to have uh, that movie show up here in my number five spot. But I picked Working Girl instead because I remember that more. I can never forget, you know, what she does in Working Girl because of the hair, because of the eye makeup, and those eyes. My God, she has this intensity in her eyes during yeah. that working girl performance that is just it floors you and it was nominated as well in the best supporting actress category but you know we've covered her work before in broadcast news she was great as one of the employees in that newsroom there she's hysterical whenever she's next to her brother gross point blank is one of my favorite Joan Cusack performances next to John and it does touch my heart a little bit that she's worked with her brother John in 10 movies together I, I think they played brother and sister in a bunch of them but two you know times that I remember a high fidelity say anything she has one of the greatest tell-off scenes in high fidelity that I've ever seen you know maybe short of Francis McDormand's great tell-off scene in recent years but Great career from Joan Cusack from the Toy Story movies. She's the voice of Jesse the Cowgirl. Yes. Nine months, Married to the Mob. She's been great recently. The Perks of Being a Wallflower, the end of the tour. And she's fun, even in something like School of Rock, where yeah. <laughs> she's the principal and she's uptight. She's plays the, you know, she's perfectly casted in that. So Joan Cusack in Working Girl. Some epic quotes. Go on YouTube to watch some of these scenes. I mean, when she says you know, she's pulling the ruse on Harrison Ford with Melanie Griffith in the office mm-hmm. there. And, she, and uh, she's like, hold all calls, Mrs. McGill. And then she does like the, you know, the laugh when Harrison Ford's not looking. She, you know, she mimics a laugh. I love that. It just kills me. It's funny, but it's also, you know, it's going with the scene. And then obviously her big quote from Working Girl is, sometimes I sing and dance around the house in my underwear. It doesn't me- make me Madonna. Never will. <laughs> 
Working Girl 2 is probably underrated. I mean, it's six times uh, nominated that year for when it came out in 1988. And all six, it actually won the Oscar for Best Original Song. But the ones it was nominated and didn't win, Director, Supporting Actress, Supporting Actress, Best Actress, Best Picture. Those are serious nominations, especially for something that's con- that is considered a comedy. And I also think this is indicative of what your top five list represents, too. And it's some surprises that I had in store for me, because... I don't know that Joan Cusack is remembered so much for her work on SNL. She, oh, I think no. her film career is certainly more uh, recognizable and certainly more memorable than her time at SNL. And you kind of highlighted a couple people like that on your list. Usually it's you who cheats like a bandit on these right. lists. <laughs> I am cheating so bad on my list. But I, I, I went with the rules. You know, if they were on yeah, SNL no, you... and she had a cup of coffee on SNL and she's asked to be on my list. That's going to come up again in another one where I just I completely forgot someone, but uh, you reminded me, and we're going to get into that in a couple bit. All right, my number five, I think Cusack and, and Working Girl especially is a worthy entry, but I've gone back and forth between three films on mine or three performances, I should say, for my number five. One of them is in your top five, so I, I wanted to pick around it because we clash later on in this top five okay. list that I'm not going to be able to pick around. So that's kind of disqualified. Uh, another one was Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day. I was thinking about it because that's one of my all-time favorites, and I was a little too young for Ghostbusters. I was very, way too young for Caddyshack when it came out, but Groundhog's Day was always a movie that we had on in the house whenever it was on cable. So I was thinking about that because he really does carry that entire movie, and it goes in well with us uh, just having reviewed the Palm Springs trailer, and I'm nothing if not a shill for the MMO brand. But I'm going to go Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems just because... Look, for us and our generation, having been raised on Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and always having a soft spot for the Sandman, regardless of how low his meta ratings got, maybe bottoming out with Jack and Jill (laughs) once upon a time, to see him come back and put forth this performance and literally carry that movie on his shoulders, it should have been Oscar nominated, I think. It probably would have been in most other years. Uh, And it's nice to see him dig deep and become a serious player given how much he's given us in the comedy side already. Did the speech at the Indie Spirits put you over the top on this? Did you remember that? Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I didn't, but you bringing it up now makes my heart smile. That was, I think that speech was for people like us. I don't think that speech was for, like, his agent. It wasn't for people that, like, are are so-so on him. I think that's for people that, with the generation of kids that he's basically single-handedly raised through television and through his reruns of his movies being on TV. Uh, I, I love, I, look, I'm a Sandler apologist. I don't care how bad his performance or movies get. I'm going to stand by them. I think That's My Boy is legitimately underrated. Uh, that's, Sorry. That's my I mindset when it comes to Adam Sandler. <laughs> Right, Right. which is rightful. I understand that. You're not wrong, but I'm that much of an apologist. But to to see something as legitimately great as what he did in Uncut Gems, and especially because that movie speaks to me on a couple other levels, I I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to put that as my number five. Well, it's those other levels that speak to me and that just (laughs) scream in my ear not to pick that movie. I went into this list saying... Uh, you know, Adam Sandler should probably be here and here and here for Uncut Gems, and I didn't want to pick it. This is just me being <laughs> stubborn. This is me holding a grudge. That movie made me feel too much anxiety. It's one of those films where I know I'm wrong. I know it's an excellent movie. I just know it, but I can't pick it for anything because I don't like it. It made me feel too uneasy for two hours. Hey, be careful. That's my home you're talking about there. 
It just hurt me. It was it was a painful watch and an even more painful rewatch. I haven't, you know, put it on on Netflix yet. I don't know about you, but I just I can't bring myself to do it. No, I haven't rewatched it since I saw it in theaters, but I, you know, I I live it. <laughs> I'm so afraid of you, of him, of New York. Michael, my number 4, I am going to go with Bill Murray. Now, which performance should I go with cuz he's been He's been great many times. Surprisingly, you 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 know you think about him from Scrooge and What About Bob and Groundhog yeah. Day and Ghostbusters. You know he had bit parts and Tootsie and Ed Wood and he's funny in Space Jam. He's got the stripes, Caddyshack, Meatballs start to his career, and then he gets the Wes Anderson phase, the Jim Jarmusch phase, Broken Flowers, Moonrise Kingdom. I was torn. Yeah, I was torn between two Wes Anderson movies. And I, I, I almost picked Rushmore. Rushmore is pra- perhaps my favorite Bill Murray performance. But I'm going to take the most underrated of Wes Anderson's films and the most underrated Bill Murray performance in a Wes Anderson film, The Life of Quadic with Steve Zissou. People oh, wow. hate this movie. They hate yeah, it they do. for some reason. <laughs> and I don't understand why. I love this movie. I Maybe, you know, I'm biased because I saw it the winter of my freshman year. We got like a sneak screening. It was going around playing colleges. And we saw it, you know, I saw it with all my freshman dorm room best friends, friends for life that I just made over the last semester. We went to see this movie. We laughed the whole time. It has a, you know, a huge ending that's a lot of fun. You know, you get all the the, the, the cool little fish and the their cartoon fish, their claymation fish in there. But in terms of Bill Murray's performance, I, I just think it's underrated in the sense that, you know, he's playing for a ton of you know deadpan comedy goods but he's all he also has the quality in this performance at the center of this film where he has some emotional scenes that just surprised me so i I rewatched this movie a couple months ago and it's still as good as i remember it and and he's playing this ron burgundy type character this egomaniac who's been humbled by you know the downstretch of his career so you got that going on but then he's also grieving the grieving the loss of his friend, his best friend, his lifelong best friend at the beginning of this movie in one of the first scenes. So he's like breaking down in tears throughout the film So while he's playing all this comedy. So I just think it's a high degree of difficulty performance that nobody ranks properly. And I just think it's one of the, it's my sneaky pick of this five. So it's, see, you're, you're saving yourself here too, because you talk about how you sold out and you went right for the Oscars performances, but you just rambled off a bunch of Bill Murray qualities, a bunch of Bill Murray performances, and you didn't even mention the lone performance that he was actually got his lone Oscar nomination for. Oh, Lost right. in Translation. So you save yourself there, and I know you're a big Wes Anderson guy. When it's all written and when it's finally over for Bill Murray, who I do think is going to get... Uh, probably a string of Academy Award nominees coming up. I, maybe, I think at least one is in his immediate future and potentially two uh, coming up soon, just out of respect for the man, if not the performances and the merits of those performances. But when it's all said and done, what is Bill Murray going to be remembered most for? Which stretch of his career? Is it going to be the SNL? Is it going to be the comedies, the Ghostbusters and all that? Or is it going to be the uh, Jim Jarmusch, the Wes Anderson stretch that he's in? 
Well, he's going to be looked at as someone who's made the transition to acting as good as anybody in a mm. way. So, I mean, the fact that he got all of his improv training with Second City and then obviously became a superstar with Saturday Night Live. And, and you're right. I glossed over Lost in Translation during my listing because I was going to come back to it and then I got rambling and never did. But Lost <laughs> in Translation is, is a terrific film. Uh, Sofia Coppola used him so well. That's why I think we're both pretty excited for On the Rocks with Rashida Jones there on apple yeah. tv plus with uh, bill murray hopefully vying for another you know oscar nomination now is his best performance something like hyde park on the hudson where he pay- plays uh you know president roosevelt yeah perhaps but that's kind of a slimy lousy movie and mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of a gross movie that i, I don't really want to think back on so like to me what what encapsulates bill murray's abilities the best is something where he has the emotional scenes that's kind of kooky and weird, but he also's got you know the, some of the funniest scenes ever. When he flicks that lizard off his hand in the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, <laughs> that claymation lizard, I'm dying. I'm dying for days. It's the funniest goddamn movie to me. There's so many weird jokes in that one, so I had to pick it. Yeah, there's a course correction coming up for Murray too. I mean, the guy's looking at his IMDb page. The guy's only won one Golden Globe too. Right. In his career. I mean, th- th- we got to do something about this. Bill Murray certainly deserves more merit for all the legendary performances that he's actually been able to put off. Uh, my number four is, I-, I hope, similar in terms of kicking off a string of legendary performances. And it was kind of a guy you wouldn't have expected to have the types of acting chops he did until he had this role. And then he just kind of bloomed from there and became this awesome character actor. And he's one of the best leading men. And like we said, if this was a TV list, he'd probably be our number ones right now. Bill Hader and the Skeleton Twins. I love that movie. That's an underrated movie. Now that's Very Kristen Wiig. Who, who's? Yes. 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 Kristen Wiig. Uh, Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader. 2014 movie. I just actually rewatched it recently. And mm. there's so much heart and so much depth to the character that he's playing. And he plays this, I don't know that I'm giving anything away because it's literally in the first scene of the movie, but it's this this gay brother of Kristen Wiig who attempts to kill himself yeah. uh, for a litany of reasons, and the reasons you get into as the movie plays itself out, and it's just so much heart, and, you know, this is coming straight off the SNL stage. The guy right. was on SNL for 14 years, and he plays this role when he wasn't really getting a lot of serious and dramatic roles, and you think, well, it's Kristen Wiig and it's Bill Hader, it's going to be a riot, and it's not. It's it's exactly what these two have been known to do in dramatic roles, uh, and, and bring forth their serious actoring, and bring forth the, a real thespian edge to this to prove that they're more than just a couple of yucks on the SNL stage. I was amazed by his performance uh, in this movie. It's really, really, really good. I wouldn't argue if someone wanted to make the the case for it to be Oscar nominated in the 2014 year, even though 2014 was kind of loaded with performances, but uh, a very underrated movie and an underrated performance, I think. Well, I love that he, you know, kind of burst onto the scene there in terms of dramatic acting where he went for it. And, you know, maybe not. I remember that movie. He didn't hit the every note, maybe, but I think uh, I think he showed a lot of range in that performance. And, yeah, that's an underrated film in, in a big year where I'm, I'm really glad you kind of had a, you know, a, a gem in, in your, uh, in your picks that, uh, wasn't uncut. That's a, ter- why am I joking so <laughs> That's bad? bad? That's that terrible. bad. I don't even know <laughs> why I went there. In. I just said gem. And then I went back to <laughs> your last pick. I remembered mid sentence. That's awful. Well, that's all right, because I did something bad for our number threes, and I'm literally just going to copy you. So you have the floor. Unveil your number three. Here. All right. So we're both cheating because 
we're picking a dramatic actor that somehow spent a year on Saturday yes. Night Live. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is going to be our pick here. We'll build up to which movie we're picking him in. But, you know, he's got this great video on YouTube where he recounts his time at SNL in 1985, their 1985-86 season, where he says, quote, I learned so much in that year of what I wasn't. <laughs> it goes well, that's on. important that's an important life yeah. lesson it's important to know what you don't know he's like i'm not the catchphrase guy i'm not the guy who's going to be able to do impressions but i just love the whole acting experience of it all because you're like you know you're changing from a caveman to a spaceman in terms of outfits and you walk past david bowie backstage like that's a regular <laughs> saturday night and you're like this is the greatest thing ever i'm just plagiarizing this uh you know youtube video i watched pre recording but i i do think he's he's got some comedic chops for the rest of his career that he probably built up there in a subtle way i don't think he was very funny in the few skits that i did watch (laughs) (laughs) yeah he wasn't known his snl career uh Probably not fondly remembered for the right reasons. Right. So basically you can pick a couple phases from Downey's career. There's the Iron Man to Avengers Endgame arc in the MCU. I was tempted to pick one of those. Before that, he kind of worked his way back into notoriety. He was in George Clooney's movies, uh, movie Good Night and Good Luck. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he definitely, uh, you know, surprised people with his role in Tropic Thunder. I don't know if that necessarily is PC nowadays, even that though they're making That is not going to be uh, holding up well. Yeah, no, it's already starting to get torn apart a little bit. It's wrong, but it's still kind of making fun of the practice right, in a right. way. So I don't know if the, the meta jokiness works, but, you know, he's good in Wonder Boys. He's he's good. He's really good in Natural Born Killers as a messed up character. So he had, you know, a Scanner couple, Darkly, too, I would throw in there. Right. I mean, he had like 15 years where he was just doing these strange properties for good directors. Obviously, he was Oscar nominated in Chaplin, which I refuse to rewatch for the, for this top five. Because I have I just, not seen it. I want to see it, though, just because I feel like I should see it. Charlie Chaplin and 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. I just can't. Yeah. I just can't bring myself to revisit that. It's just, ugh. Anyway, Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance, in our opinion, our shared mm-hmm. MMO-stamped opinion here, is Zodiac. And yeah. we are dating ourselves here. This is bias in terms of the time <laughs> where we were studying movies perhaps the hardest. But, Mike, I think... This pick is indicative of the kinds of movies we love. I mean, we love a serial killer, you know, detective romp for two hours from David Fincher that's just addictive to watch. That's a saga that spans decades. And you have Downey playing this character with one hell of an arc, and it's a a supporting character that shouldn't have the arc he has in this film. And he's cathartic in that, too. He brings some of his real life to it because that character enters a spiral, which is like what Downey did in his personal life before. I mean, he cleaned up himself before he had that role, but it was a little bit of a holding up a mirror to himself. But, yeah, I I, I remember watching Zodiac in theaters, and I remember leaving the theaters with my friends and talking about it. And I, I loved the movie the first time I saw it, and I remember talking to my friends about it, and they all hated it. And I was I, like, what, what, how could you hate that movie? Did we watch the same thing? It's always been one of my favorites. And from that point, Fincher's always been one of the directors I loved most. And one of the reasons I loved it as much as I did is because of what Downey did in it. 
I didn't hate it necessarily, but I remember hating scenes in it. I remember just feeling gross when I walked out of there because my expectations were so high. Now it's one of my favorite movies of all time, even though I can't rewatch the murder scenes. I fast forward those, but it's been on Netflix. It's been on streaming services forever, right? So, I mean, I keep rewatching it as like a going to sleep movie, and I keep getting stuck watching it for like hours, but. Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, like you said, he's you know showing his demons in yeah. on full display there, and he plays the role with such like spite, spite oh, yeah. for the contempt, yeah, contempt absolutely for his profession. He knows he's a do-gooder, but you almost feel like he's trying to be a great journalist in the sense that he wants to be a famous journalist and get the great story he values that over the values of journalism and the goodness in that regard so i love i love his performance in this movie he's got the two fantastic scenes i mean one he plays for comedy i mean at the bar when yes. he's coaxed into drinking those blue mm-hmm. drinks with uh gyllenhaal's graysmith character fantastic scene one of the best scenes and then on the boat at the end where he's a broken man yeah somebody should write a fucking book oh my <laughs> god is it, you know his face in that scene he's like white as a ghost number one you know playing that whole thing the makeup uh, crew did a great job and then you know just that's a haunting scene when you walk out of that you know houseboat and you see him just with that dead-eyed stare yeah. at the end of it my goodness yeah, I, I, I echo you. I do think, uh, truly, that was the best performance of his career. And just to give you guys a little behind the scenes of how these top fives usually go, like, usually they'll be, we'll, we'll write these down, Michael finish his copy first, and, and he'll send the doc over to me, and I'll, I'll enter, and I'll pepper in some stuff. <laughs> and when we do top five episodes, we're, we'll inevitably clash, because we do have similar tastes in a lot of areas, and we'll always try to pick around each other when we do clash. This pick, I just had totally forgotten Robert Downey Jr. was an option. I had just totally forgotten he was on SNL. And this pick was so good, and it's it's so shameful of me to have forgotten because I should know everything about it because, it's I mean, Zodiac's truly one of my favorite movies, that I just had to just submit and just give everything to Mike because yeah, I, I thought it was a great sneaky pick by him. He's, he's is bending the rules a little bit, but he's still playing by them in the way that he picked Joan Cusack. He's also picking Robert Downey Jr., whose SNL days are forgettable again probably for the right reasons but he would tell you that uh, himself anyway but this is one of the most underrated films to come out this millennium i think it's one of the most underrated directors at the helm of it it's probably oscars worthy i i keep going back and i I will routinely go back and watch not only i mean i'll I'll research zodiac versus what happened at the Mm -hmm. oscars that year it could have gotten in in a number of categories it's a shame that it never was taken seriously as an awards contender but it's got high marks on every review site for a good reason if you haven't seen it definitely go seek it out and seek it out in part for robert downey jr i finally persuaded you of something this is (laughs) a first it was a great pick it was a great pick by you in the history of mike and moss mike and this whatever a, the show is. <laughs> whatever the fuck our show is. No, it's a first. I'm flabbergasted now. I can't speak, which is bad if you're a podcaster. But, Mike, <laughs> this is a first in terms of our Google document history. Because usually I, I'm convinced you don't even read the Google documents. <laughs> and I actually persuaded you of something in document form you know, yes. on the page, which makes me yes. feel good. So, I, I I am not. I bow to you, sir. That was an incredible, incredible pick by you. Great oh, job. I want to bask in it for a few minutes. I don't want to move on, but no, I, I will move on to my number two because it's a great actor here in my number two spot. It's Eddie Murphy, 
and I'm going to make a shameless pick in a second, but I want to go over his career. Obviously, he became a megastar, was able to do anything he wanted in the industry at large to the point yes. where he almost had like, you know, a, a, a hiatus that is as epic as his career in many ways. But obviously he became a, a hit on Saturday Night Live when he was 19 or 20, you know, after being a stand up comedian for, for a breath there. But a superstar on SNL probably saved Saturday Night Live from well, in the non Martin Michaels time. Yeah, absolutely. So he get he becomes a movie star with Forty Eight Hours and Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop. I can confirm happily that Coming to America is still as good as it ever has been. You know, I watched good. that one I think sometime last year, so it's still great. Obviously, you know, when we're growing up, he's really funny in Shrek. You know, when we're watching movies with our brothers or with our family, he's kind of funny in The Nutty Professor. Or he's kind of funny. I shouldn't say kind of funny. He is funny in The Nutty Professor. And he's kind of funny in Dr. Doolittle. And I don't hate those movies as much as some people. But maybe that's just because of the age I was when they came out. He's had several renaissances, right? I think the pick I should yes. make here is his Oscar-nominated role in Dreamgirls, which was supposed to be his huge comeback. And he was supposed to win that award. Mm -hmm. He was the favorite heading into that night by everybody's measure, I would say. I can't make that pick, though, because I don't like Dreamgirls as a movie, even though Jennifer Hudson's great in it. It just bothers. Like, the story construction bothers me because they sing the plot literally for two hours. What's the difference between that and bad exposition dumps and other things? I, I'm sorry. I can't get on board as much as that movie is, is you know, has great music in it. Dolomite is my name is my pick for Eddie Murphy here. I can't help it, Mike. I know it's recency bias. I feel bad about picking a movie from last year, but I just think this was Eddie Murphy is the total package. I mean, he's got the performance within the performance because it's a movie about making movies. It's it's this performance that, you know, has all these great mirror scenes and you know what a sucker I am for when actors are in the mirror just see my number one in a few minutes but he's hilarious he's hilarious in this role to the point where his physical comedy is as funny as anything he's done in his career when he's doing the kung fu stuff mike you've never seen me laugh as hard as when i did I've never seen you laugh that hard in the theater ever absolutely not. it was so goofy that i couldn't believe he was going to this <laughs> level of terribleness in the you know the reenactment of the Dol dolomite scene behind the trunk of that car i just thought it was so funny and i just i lost i blew a funny fuse i blew a funny fuse <laughs> watching an eddie murphy performance where he was just you know sh showing everything he's got so th that kind of performance should you know in in 5 years from now we should be able to fill in another movie that Eddie Murphy does in this spot or in the number one spot, because I don't think he's done yet. And I do think he's going to, you know, climb that Oscar mountain because I do think he's trying in a way, you know, his, well, kid, his kids are out of the house. So he's, he's, he's going for these more often. That's what I was going to pick up here. And when, when you ran, I hope this is the comeback that sticks and I'd like to see him take care of his career and the only go for Oscar nominated performance, only go for, for the roles like what Dolomite was Dolomite Eddie in Dolomite was the other one I was thinking about for number five. But when I saw you took it, I, I obviously uh, took it off my board because I didn't want to clash seeing as I was just stealing number three from you. So <laughs> I, I echo what you say. I mean, it was a fantastic performance. Dolomite was criminally overlooked. I yeah. think this past award season, I was holding the, the the flag for Wesley Snipes to be in the supporting actor role, and True. he never got any traction. Uh, but there's all kinds of goods all over that movie. Most of them are on the shoulders of Eddie Murphy. And one of the 
best comeback and most complete comeback performances we maybe have ever seen from a legacy actor like that. I mean, I don't think anyone was really prepared for just how good he could be in that semi-serious but still comedically hilarious role. He's got such a huge presence. I mean, he's the movie star in that film, but he's also this, you know, guy that has this ability to captivate a crowd within the scene and obviously, you know, uh, through through the screen in a movie going off audience i just think dolomite is my name is also one of the you know feel good movies of the year last year so again it's it's fresh in my mind i have to go with it it just made me so happy the last scenes of that film are just so good you don't appreciate that performance either unless it is a guy like Eddie Murphy and it, and he's not able to pull that off unless he's done, lived through those highs and the lows personally and professionally. I mean, Absolutely. he brought all that to that type of performance and that's what really makes you, in the same way that Robert Downey Jr. brought that uh, to his Zodiac performance. That's what makes you appreciate it even more. Uh, there's a lot of heart to that role and there's a lot of seriousness and dramatic, uh, I, I guess dramatic chops to, to that Dolomite role. My number two has no dramatic chops whatsoever, and I think it's almost as difficult to pull off if you if you lack any drama whatsoever in your character and only play it for comedy. Uh, I'm going to say something controversial. John Belushi should have been nominated for supporting actor in either the Blues Brothers or Animal House, and it's exactly because of the argument that we said going into this recording today. The legacy, being a character that's memorable should matter more. I know it would have never happened, especially not with, with the way the Academy was in 1978 and 1980 when these movies came out. But being that important of a character that lives through time the way those two characters that John Belushi played has, I mean, who among us didn't hang something from Animal House that had John Belushi's face on it in our dorm rooms in college? There's a reason those movies stand the test of time and they're still thought of so fondly. And when you have a role that's just comedy, mm. I mean... Bluto is not he's got no dramatic irony in him whatsoever he's just purely comedy and he's still able to be remembered that fondly like like a buddy of yours you went to high school and college with that shouldn't matter and it's not like those roles we can't grasp onto them and we still see their importance when they happen like that Will Ferrell role in old school we obviously weren't alive for Blues Brothers or Animal House but Will Ferrell in old school that role we knew at the time was going to stand the test of time and be legendary. The roles in Step Brothers, we kind of knew at the time they were going to stand the test of time. I think that should matter. And mm. I think Belushi was kind of the forefather and the grandfather to that type of role in those two movies. And I just want to ask you, let's talk about which performances stand the test of time better, okay? Do you remember John Belushi in Animal House more, or do you remember Richard Farnsworth in Comes a Horseman more from 1978? <laughs> okay? Because Richard Farnsworth got nominated for Supporting Actor. Do right. you remember Belushi in Blues Brothers more, or do you remember Michael O'Keefe's performance in The Great Santini more in 1980? Like, this shouldn't matter. If you're that good comedically, you should... It, it should matter in the grand scheme of things and when you're that good and it's known to be that legendary at the time like they knew animal house was something special at the time i think that should matter when it comes to the academy and maybe we're getting to a point now where horror is being shined on more relatively and more recently and maybe hopefully comedy is being taken more seriously as well where that will matter going forward comedies get snubbed they've gotten snubbed throughout academy history and yeah, it's especially hard to take the trendy comedy pick 
because you know Animal House was the trendiest comedy pick of all time to the point where it created you know this entire pathway for you know TV stars to become movie stars in terms of Saturday Night Live alumni. Mm. And, and it wasn't happening before John right. Belushi. <laughs> before he, he shattered, he shattered some some glass ceilings. Now, look, if I had to put like put a gun to my head, I have to pick. Obviously, it's really tough to make the case for his Animal House performance being a supporting an Oscar worthy right. performance. Right. But Blues Brothers, I stand by. I, I I sincerely do think, and he was playing that just for straight comedy. I sincerely do think he was worthy of being nominated that year. I love both those performances quite a bit. I'm glad you took you know this leap out onto this flimsy branch and Oscar <laughs> fans are all yelling at us right now. I, I, I made my, you know, half ass pick of uh, the life aquatic with Steve Zissou because it's still somewhat, you know, critically, you know, uh, respected, I would say right. in that same regard, even though I know it's love it or hate it for, for that film. But no, I'm glad you, you took the stand. I should have taken it with you, but I'm a coward. And uh, in that regard, I, you know, I, you could have picked something like, uh, you know, an Eddie Murphy performance and in, in uh, you know, Coming Norman. to America. You could have taken, you know, Will Ferrell, but you took the original OG yeah, of I SNL took the Godfather. alumni. Right. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stand by that. I'll, I'll go uh, number one to start. And I do get more back on the purely Oscars track and that this movie was actually nominated for two Academy Awards. And I think, speaking of, if glass ceiling breaking matters and if, if that's content with which we're going to rank these performances by, uh, my number one is a tie because I'm a cheater in these lists, but whatever. Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig for Bridesmaids. This and- is shocking, Mike. This, so this is shocking. So this, this is a great film, but you... Yes talked yourself into the criteria of every academy voter essentially because they want their best pictures to mean something they want their best pictures to make a statement and you're picking this because of the statement that it makes yeah. i haven't seen bridesmaids in years i have it's you, so did you rewatch yes, it yes i have i have rewatched it in the last couple in the last year or so and it's it's so it's so good. there's three things that make bridesmaids work mm-hmm. i think in my opinion uh one is obviously Melissa McCarthy and her breakout performance and hitting all the physical comedic notes. She's basically just a female Farley in that movie. She's her, a force of, of nature. Timing. Yeah, absolutely. A second is Rose Byrne being loathsome and having that character turn uh, and being a fairly realistically written character turn. And I think part of handling of Rose Byrne's character went into why Kristen Wiig was nominated for the uh, original screenplay Academy Award like she was. The most important aspect of that movie at the center of it is the range of emotions and the realism of friendship between Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph. And these are two women, again, who coming off SNL, you think they're just hysterical women. You think they're just funny. They, you know, mm-hmm. they are what they are, but they have to play this so very seriously. And the seriousness with which, and the realism with which that friendship goes through the ebbs and flows it does in that movie is what makes the comedy such a, big payoff within that movie and that provides the movie the heart at the center of it and I think the heart is what made it be Oscar nominated in the first place uh, for the two nominations it did get and I don't think that happens with many other actresses because there is a real chemistry and kinship between those two ladies from their time at SNL and the fact that they were able to bring that and translate that into two characters into a movie helmed uh, really the first of its kind being that kind of girls trip being taken so seriously and being treated with the both comedic and dramatic chops in which it was, uh, I, I think it was groundbreaking stuff. So if they played those parts like 
John C. Riley and Will Ferrell at the and in Step Brothers or Ricky Bobby, and they were just over the top with those roles, then this movie would not have been Oscar. Could you imagine? Is what yeah. you're saying because they had to anchor the film, you know, and be and be funny but be dramatic. So you're given this number one spot to two very balanced performances and i would agree with you the relationship between the bride and her you know their her, her was she the maid of honor in that movie i don't remember she was and then she wasn't and then right. she was, yeah so that relationship is the key to the film and one's got to get their shit together the other one's you know got to keep her shit together and i i would agree i think maya rudolph's just terribly underrated you know even though she tried at, at away we go she tried to do the big dramatic part. She's she's so much better and just being hilarious she the rest is. of her career. I, I, yeah, at least but, from what we've seen. And she's got some underrated comedy in this movie. Like obviously at the end when she's in her wedding dress and she's she does that goofy look that kills me in everything. <laughs> when she, they're dancing up there to, to Wilson Phillips song. Yeah, it's 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 funny and you know Kristen Wiig is, is it's a strange role for her because she does have some funny scenes on the plane she does you know make some jokes in her own right but she's also kind of the the straight man character she's the owen wilson of that old school lineup at times and you're right for the movie to be oscar nominated she's got to pull it off i wonder if you want to like this movie more than you should because i think you know you you sold me on your top four more than you're selling me on your number one in a way. Well, imagine you you made the argument. Imagine if they did play that like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, right? The difficulty with them being women playing those roles. Not only uh, they have everything stacked against them just as actors, and now you're adding the the gender bias on top of it that women have to deal with in this industry, especially back in 2011. Right. Not only would that movie not have been Oscar nominated, but it would have been panned all across the board. They wouldn't have gotten the benefit of the doubt that a Will Ferrell and a John C. Riley get into their comedic performances. Like, they had, just in being women, I feel like they had so much to overcome, as women in the industry always do, but especially when we weren't as woke as we tend to be now in 2020. I, I think they there was a very tight, a very taut tightrope they had to walk for this one to be as received as well as it was. And I don't know that many people would have been able to pull it off uh, with that kind of pressure against them, especially being the writers of the script. Yeah, it's a, it's a similar turn for Mean Girls, something like Mean Girls, but I guess Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, they didn't, you know, put themselves at the center of that. Right. But it's another movie where like, all right, female comedians are, are making a transition, but they can't do the John C. Riley and Will Ferrell thing and just be hilarious like a Billy Madison. Right. You know, like, or trying to be over-the-top goofy, I, I guess I would say. So th- this is a surprising pick for you, but I, I'm get, I'm starting to get how you're, you're talking about the understated nature of it and then uh, obviously the degree of difficulty, which is perhaps, I'm always a sucker for degree of difficulty. You know that. Yeah, so that's, I guess, where your criteria lands. Do I think that should be your number one? No, not necessarily. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I I agree with the sentiment, let's just say. All right, I just got on you for your number one, and I'm just totally (laughs) cheating for my number one. This is just shamelessly cheating because she had one week. I know. actress had one (laughs) week and two sketches on Saturday Night Live. And there's a big thing on Seth Meyers where she talks about it in terms of a YouTube video. There's this article on Insider.com where she talks about how she got fired after the writer's strike after her first episode where she essentially was auditioned in that one episode. The writer's strike happened. There was a hiatus and she wasn't 
asked back. I'm talking about SNL alumnus from 1981, Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf was on Saturday Night Live. She was on the Wikipedia list, so I'm including her here. She's had a beloved career from both of us. You know, she's on one of your favorite sitcoms growing up. She's an Uncle Buck. She's on in one of your favorite movies growing up. Just talking talking about favorites right now. Mm-hmm. In Scream Two, uh, she's great in Scream Two. But I think Laurie Metcalf had a role in an Oscar nominated film where she was the favorite. Where I just can't get over the fact that she didn't win after I picked her, and I have a grudge now. And I always make fun <laughs> of you for having grudges. So in every top five list that we do, I'm going to draw attention to the fact that she was snubbed. And like like a bitter Oscar pundit, Lori Metcalf was snubbed for Lady Bird. I'm sorry to say it to Allison Janney because I love her career as well, but she's got enough Emmys where she didn't need this Oscar. And I know Lori Metcalf's got a lot of Tonys, Mike, but she deserved this Oscar. I just rewatched Lady Bird. It's on Netflix. She's going toe-to-toe with Saoirse Ronan for 15 (laughs) rounds, 15 huge arguments when you'd least expect them from scene one through the middle, and then you get her breaking down in the greatest prop of 2017, that rearview mirror before walking into the arms of Tracy Letts and her face just collapses. My God, it's a great performance. I still hold that it's better than Allison Janney's, even though I love her too. And I, Tanya, so Mama Bird from Lady Bird, Lori Metcalf's my number one. I was, uh, first of all, great job cheating and manipulating the rules. Uh, <laughs> as a fellow cheater, I applaud you there. <laughs> as far as the pick of Metcalf, uh, I, I can't I can't quarrel whether she was great in Lady Bird. However, at the time, mm. my gripe with that performance was she's getting a little too much credit for just playing a fairly generic mother. And she's just kind of doing what any mother would do in that situation. And are we glow- heaping praise on her because she's playing a mother believably? Is that Oscar worthy? And I remember having that battle back and forth with you. Um She's great in Lady Bird. I kind of still stand by my original criticism of it, though. Well, I never understood your original criticism because that relationships between the mother-daughter is what drives the story. Yes. And just because... I mean, so what are you saying? Like, I can't play... I'm I'm saying the degree of difficulty in playing... In having those emotions, I don't know that other actresses wouldn't have been able to do that as effectively. I just love how her argument scenes play off. Like she's going crazy in those scenes, and the, the, they're electric. I just I think her performance shines to the point where I am afraid of her, and I, I would be Tracy Letts, <laughs> and I would go play solitaire as well in those scenes if they were both arguing, you know, in a few rooms adjacent to mine. So I think uh, I think it makes sense, but like I. I how many actors have won for playing fathers in movies? You know, so well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a legitimate gripe. I agree. So I just think she plays a great, you know, mother of a pink-haired kid who's driving her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved it. I think if my kid had pink hair, I would be a little, you know, argumentative myself. 
I think she's very, very much worthy of being number one on this type of list, and especially with the caveat that she was only on SNL for such a truncated period. That just makes it even more hysterical. And I do love Lady Bird, and I did appreciate her performance. And I I think that's a a very fine pick to top off your top five here, Michael. Well, we had some strange top fives. We had some personal top fives for this top five episode. So we need our audience to weigh in now. So you guys tell us your favorite performances by SNL alumnus. Let us know. We'll mention it on MMOW. So uh, we always want to shout you out in our audience and interaction segments there. Maybe I'll throw out a Twitter question. But I don't think anybody will agree with either one of our top fives. Like We went went off the reservation for this one. It's tough because part of the reason of doing these top fives is you kind of get to manipulate what your own criteria is. We don't really set those boundaries. So in doing that, we kind of come up with some unique stuff every once in a while, even though uh, we do inevitably clash and pick some of the similar stuff just because some of those things are so undeniable. But yes, truly, we want to hear from you, dear listener, as always. uh, What do you think about these top fives? Do you have something that you would put above any of these performances? What is your number one and what is your number five and how right or wrong were we? You can leave us those. Like Mike said, you might throw out a Twitter question, but you can respond to us uh, on Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook or Instagram or at MM and Oscar on Twitter. You could also leave us comments, questions, concerns about anything else we do here in the MMO empires. We are also Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you're still quarantining with us every for a couple hours every week, we truly appreciate it. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five star review on the Apple Podcast app, that would be quite swell of you as well. Michael? Tell the good people what is coming next and what are some words of wisdom here that we can end on. So we're going to do that Mike, Mike, and Oscar weekly episode like I've been pitching throughout the show in a very shameless way because it's our subtle next episode <laughs> and I just kept pitching it. Pierce Brosnan is going to be our next episode of the James Bond character study. We think we're bringing that to you the middle of next week, if not the end of next week. We're keeping a spot open for some news uh, or in an Oscar race checkpoint perhaps. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll do another top five. But uh, my guess is it'll be an Oscar race checkpoint, a kind of quarter two wrap-up show that we're kind of planning for a while. So that'll happen at some point over the next two weeks, we think, we hope, as well. In terms of words of wisdom, just stay safe out there. I won't belabor the point. Stay safe out there. There's a lot going on. You know, COVID is spiking again. So maybe stay outside some more. Keep social distancing. Keep... uh, wearing masks i know a lot of people it's a hot button issue now but i do think it makes some sense and who knows better safe than sorry right sure i agree i don't know how many other people do guys when reality sucks you can come watch movies with us and talk about your top fives as well uh we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness keep fighting the good fight we will see you very soon see ya hey.